Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the eHunter podcast. This podcast today was a blast to record. Um, today, I sat down with the guys with Velvet Antler Technologies and did a podcast with them. If you're not familiar with Velvet Antler Technologies, definitely stay tuned because we they talk a lot about their products and they've got some really cool products out there. I, I kind of geeked out a little bit on this podcast and had a really good time with it. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed as much as I did, as much as we did. Before we get into the podcast, though, as always, we want to thank our sponsors, Vortex Optics. Um, check out their, their stuff. This is some cool stuff that they've got. I don't know if you guys have checked out their Vortex Wear stuff. It's kind of hard to find on their website. You have to go to, I believe it, on the top, it's you go to More, and then it's under their apparel section there. But just some really cool stuff that they have on their website. And it's like good quality stuff. I wear this shirt a lot. You guys have probably seen this on other videos that, that I've done. But um, really love their uh, their Vortex wear line. A lot of other new products that they have coming out as well. So check that out. Their website is vortexoptics.com. Give them a shout out. Let them know that eHunter uh, sent you their way. So, all right, guys. Well, without further ado, let's jump into the podcast that I did with um, the guys over at Bella Antler Technologies. No worries. I appreciate you, you guys being on. And I won't, I'll try not to take up too much of your time. And uh, I mean, let, let, well, let's get this started. I, um, You guys are going to have to excuse my ignorance a little bit. I, I, the only thing I know about you guys is what I've seen on social media. And then um, I've got a really good buddy. So I live in, it's called Enterprise, Utah. It's just north of St. George, Utah. Um, got a good buddy here in town uh, who's a taxidermist that uses your guys' stuff and just swears by it and so i know very little so you guys are gonna have to excuse my ignorance today as we talk through um you guys and what you do and 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 just everything velvet antler technology so before we jump into that though would you guys mind taking a, a couple minutes here and telling everybody who you are sure um so i'm my name is daryl gogert i actually invented the velvelock years and years ago probably 16 years ago or so now um and in 2011, I was really, really looking hard at pushing how I can expand and get this thing on the market. And uh, I met AJ. It's really weird. I, you know, people say the Lord works in mysterious ways, right? Yeah. Um, I had sold a set of deer antlers on eBay, a big set, 200 and something inches. And AJ bought it. I lived in the Boise area. He lived in Salt Lake. And we ended up starting to talk back and forth. Actually what happened, the guy that bid on it never paid for it. Oh. So AJ was the second guy in line that lost out the bid, like in the last bit of seconds. So I called him and said, Hey, this guy never paid for this stuff. And do you want it? And kind of the relationship blossomed. And I told him about this product I made. Velvelock was the first thing I ever made. I never even had a name for it. AJ and I came up with it on our own together. Um, I just, I, I lived in the deserts of Nevada, a hundred miles from any taxidermist. Mm -hmm. So I archery hunted since I was a kid and I've always hated losing my velvet. Yeah. You know, even, I mean, some of the deer probably I never would have taken to a taxidermist. Right. I mean, they're just, there's sometimes like, and this is where it was, this is where things were started, I guess. I didn't want it. You know, it's $300 to go have a set of velvet cured. Right. So if a guy kills a deer for his kid or his kid kills a deer, like they throw it out in the garage and the velvet rots and falls off. And it's like, that's heartbreaking for a kid. Mm -hmm. 
right? I mean, even me, when I was young, I killed deer and I'm like, gosh, I hate that, man. All my velvet fell off and it's so beautiful, right? So I just started creating things and trying to figure out how I can save my velvet to keep it from on my own, right? Yeah. So then I had came up with this mixture and AJ and I got together and we kind of kept adding to the line after that. And we got some advice from some other people. Hey, you should do this and hey, you should do that. So we started creating new products as we went. But, so how did um bringing aj on in 2011 he's a he's just a great business partner and he's i always tell people i created it and i surrounded myself with smart people like aj to help me promote it right because that's his wheelhouse so, that's how you grow a business right anyway there. that's a little bit about me and we'll talk more about the products as we go along and kind of how they came about and you know who we can give credit to for throwing ideas in our heads but that's yeah. kind of a i've always been an archery hunter um i'm PSCR archery staff member, Mag, a passion of mine. And I've guided, I guided for over 15, 20, probably 20 years now um, in Nevada. I've always guided. So that's just kind of where everything came into play for me. That's awesome, man. That is, that's way awesome. AJ, how about you? Yeah, happy to be here. So as, as Daryl mentioned, it's kind of funny. I've always had a passion for mule deer. You know, I think there's a lot of us guys out there that, love giant mule deer love mule deer in the snow love chasing them love seeing them anything in between and so yeah daryl's absolutely right i was actually in graduate school i was pursuing an mba at the university of colorado at the time and i just so happened to hop on ebay and there was a giant set of typical mule deer antlers on there unlike anything that i had ever seen before and uh i bid on them i lost i was devastated and out of nowhere daryl picks up the phone and calls me and says or actually he sent me a message and said, hey, what's your phone number? Messaged him back and said, here's my number. Got a call. I was actually sitting in my studio in graduate school and uh, got a call from Daryl Gogert. No idea who this guy was. And he explains, hey, you know, I'm the guy that had those antlers listed for a buddy. Oh, yeah. You know, I was thrilled to hear from him. He said, the guy that actually won the bid never paid for him. So do you want him? And I said, absolutely. You know, it was, again, giant set of typical grade A antlers. I've been collecting antlers for years and years. You know, since my grandpa gave me a set of 247 that he shot in Colorado, and it's just Ooh. kind of steamrolled from there. Again, it's a passion. And uh, Daryl reached out to me, and it was kind of funny. I remember vividly I was sitting at a, a studio, one of my graduate degrees, and I was sitting there working on a project, and Daryl called, and it was him and I, and we just started talking, and he said, hey, you know, what are you, what are you going to school for? And I said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm pursuing an MBA in business and finance, and I, I have all these passions and whatnot, and he said, I got this crazy dumb idea. Are you interested? I said, well, tell me about it. So he started telling me about the project, you know, the project he was working on and the product. And again, I've been archery hunting since I was about 14 years old. I uh, shot my first deer my first year with an old school, old school Hoyt bow carbon. You know, it was like one of the first carbon arrows that came out. It was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty sight guys. I'll tell you that much, but <laughs> ended up punching a tag on a deer and, I fell in love at that moment. And so when he started telling me, I knew the challenges and the struggles that came along with velvet, right? Mm -hmm. Velvets and everything in between of how do we preserve come August, September in the desert, the high deserts of Utah and Arizona, Nevada, so on and so forth. And so and it was kind of funny. He told me about the product and I, I said, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. You know, I'd love to be a part of this. Let's see what happens. And you know, kind of just friendly banter back and forth. Never met the guy. Didn't know him from Adam and Eve. And, you know, just kind of like, oh, let's see what happens. And 
it's kind of funny how things happen. You know, Daryl and I kept in contact for, you know, to date, it's been since 2011. So let's call it, you know, 10, 11 years. And, you know, we started off with an idea, had no name, had no bottle, had no, you know, really any type of ingredient written down. It was kind of Daryl's brainchild and we just blossomed from there. So fast forward to, we'll call it 2022 now. And, you know, we're a full-fledged business. We're incorporated. We've got six different products plus a bunch of other stuff in the works. And, you know, we're, uh, we're booming going forward. So we're excited to be here. Oh man, I appreciate you both being here. And it, it is funny. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh, you know, e-hunter is the same way. There's four of us that actually are, are part owners in this company. And we all four at one point lived in, well, actually when we all got together, lived in four different States. Now Seth and I live both here in Utah, but yeah, it's funny how the Lord works and how he puts people together to make something beautiful. And, and, from what I'm hearing, uh, I, like I said, I haven't used your guys' product yet. Um, hopefully this year. I'm hoping I get a nice mule deer this year with my bow here in Utah. I should. I definitely should get the tag at least. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to use your guys' stuff and, and see how are, are it works. You, are you doing any bear hunting or any turkey, spring turkey? Well, so I'm, I'm hoping that Curtis, so Curtis is a part owner in any e hunter as well. I'm hoping we can go up to Idaho and do some spring bear hunting. Definitely doing spring turkey for sure here in Utah. So that's that's where we'll talk about some more about the products, but we have our hide lock product, which is really great for spring bear because you bear hides lose hair like crazy. Yeah. So it'll keep the hide from rotting. Um, and then we also, we got a guy that's really been playing with and he's been utilizing our hide lock as well for turkey fans. So he pins them out, he pins them out, spread out, and sprays them with the hide lock and it keeps the bugs away. And then you never have to clean borax or anything off of those feathers or nothing. Cause it'll, it'll set it and harden it as a spread fan after the fact. Wow. That's, that's ingenious. So, yeah. See, I didn't even, so let, let's, let's jump into it. Cause I, I, I want to know more about like, I, I try to do my own research, but I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to social media and things like that. So trying to figure, I, I hopped on your guys' website to, to learn some of the stuff that you guys have and the different products. Um, and you guys have a lot, you guys have a great you know website and a lot of great information on there, but um, I definitely learned a lot more talking people to people face to face. And so let's, let's jump into it with your guys' products. So the high lock is, like you said, it's good for, do, let, sorry, I have so many things going through my head right now. Do taxidermists use that for other hides, like deer hides and, and stuff like that as well? They are starting to. So it, I just launched this thing. So it's kind of funny. Let me back up just a little bit. Okay. I, I've been talking with Doyle Moss for a while. Yeah. After we launched this thing, right? Moss Back Outfitter. He's a great guy. Doyle's, I can't say enough good about Doyle. Um, but he says, hey, you know, your Valvolock product works really well. He said, but man, you know what we even have more trouble with is hides in the hot weather, right? Yeah. We, we backpack our clients in. We get these hides back in places. He said, we can't pack salt. You know, like Alaska, they pack salt on planes. They put it, right. they go back and get their salt. They go get it to, to keep the hide from slipping, right? Mm -hmm. He said, if you could create a product that would, you could take that same 12-ounce bottle and spray it on a hide after you've caped it, and it would keep that hide from rotting. Yes. You got a gold mine, right? Yeah. So I said, okay, well, challenge accepted, right? So <laughs> <clears throat> that was that was last fall. That was fall of 2020. So I'm kind of, when people say these things to me, I get this stupid, crazy thing in my head where I just, 
I don't let it go. Mm-hmm. So like I spend evenings in my garage and I'm mixing and I'm playing and I'm, and I finally got to a point where I thought I had it. Right. So I took a piece of elk hide that I got from a taxidermist. <clears throat> it was just raw hide. It was in the middle of the summer and I sprayed that product on there and I put it in a plastic bag and I set it out on my pickup tailgate for seven days mm-hmm. in the sun at 105 degrees in the summertime, right? In a plastic bag. Bad news, right? Yeah. It's it going to rot so fast. So after seven days, I took it out of the, so I'm trying to emulate what people do in the real world, right? Yeah. Uh, and they don't do it on purpose. It's an accidental thing, right? right? So you throw in a plastic bag because you don't want it on your food that's in your ice chest, mm-hmm. right? But then after a seven day hunt, you go, oh man, all our ice is melted and our ice chest full of water. So I took that same piece of hide and I threw it in a five gallon bucket of water in the heat, in the sun for another seven days. After that seven days, I took that piece of hide out and I laid it on the table in my garage and let it completely dry. And I took it to the taxidermist and I said, tan this hide for me because he tans his own hides here. Mm-hmm. And we didn't lose a stitch of hair out of that thing after 14 days of total abuse. Wow. So that wow. at that point, we knew we had the formula, right? Right. Okay? So, so now you got to get the manufacturer to emulate exactly what you've done in large form, mm-hmm. right? Because you have to, they have to make it for you. So now we had to send that same formula to the, to the manufacturer say, Hey, make this for me. We want to test it. He made it for me. I went to Maryland to hunt deer this year and I hunted, um, September, uh-huh. September 10th and 11th. I killed two deer, really nice bucks, both of them. I took those capes after I caped them all out. I rolled them. I sprayed them all with Hydlock. I didn't flesh them. I took the giant pieces of meat off, right? Mm-hmm, right. But I, I did what a normal person would do that a taxidermist is going to do more of, right? Mm-hmm. You take off the big pieces, obviously, that you know is going to cause a problem. Right. Anything else, the, the thin pieces of meat, the thin pieces of fat, any of that other type of stuff, the cartilage in the ears, I left it all in. I sprayed the hide lock on that whole hide on the inside. And then on the face area, I sprayed the side of the face, inside of the face, in the ears, in the nose, in any place that could be a wet membrane type of material. Right. Mm-hmm. Then I did again, what people in the industry are going to do. I folded the ears inside. I rolled the nose up first and rolled the ears inside of the hide. I put it in plastic bags. I did both of these hides at the same time, put them inside plastic bags. I put them in an ice chest in the back of my truck with no ice in it, just an ice chest, just to, just to keep it in there. Cause that's what hunters are going to do. <laughs> 95 degrees, 95% humidity for 10 days while I traveled from Maryland, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. I stopped to hunt for a few days, Mississippi, Arkansas. When I got to Arkansas after 10 days, I shipped it to my taxidermist, took it right out of that raw ice chest, put it in boxes shipped it to my taxidermist. He tanned those hides and said, those are some of the best whitetail hides he's ever seen. Wow. Thin haired, beautiful. They didn't even lose an eyelash out of the eyelashes with this material. So just that's, that's the extent of kind of some of our testing and our trying to be bulletproof with our products. When we make them, we test them, we push the limits we make sure these things are going to work. There's always going to be human error, right? Right. I mean, right. It's inevitable. It's in all of us. I don't care. Nobody's perfect. I've messed things up. Everybody messes things up and, and it's going to happen. 
we're here for the people. We have, I mean, I have people that will call me at 10 o'clock at night from Pennsylvania and say, hey, man, I got this problem. This is what's going on. I sprayed the valve lock on. It's not doing what I think it needs to do. What can I do? We walk them through it. We have yet to find any time that we haven't been able to fix or save whatever somebody has going on and help them through the process. So this is mind blowing to me because I've I've been uh, when you say human error that that's just the epitome of me when it comes to different situations with uh, like deer hides, elk hides, things like that. I mean, I guess my question, like, how did you make this? You don't have to tell me your secrets of what's in it and and how you've you know made all make all your money, but. Like, how did this all come together? What made you decide, okay, I need to put this with this and it's going to help keep that hair? I mean, that, that is just a weird concept to me. I'll, I'll just put it in simple terms. I'm, I was born Native American. I went back to some of our Native American heritage. I asked lots of questions and figured out what we can use in modern times that they would use back way back when to create... They, they fixed and, and held stuff that we don't even understand how yeah. they did, right? So it's an ancestral thing that I just, and, and I have a ton of help from my business partners. You know, I say, hey guys, what do you think about this? This is what I plan to do with it. You know, we all talk it over uh-huh. and, and everybody's a plethora of help in the matter. Hey, make sure you look at this and hey, make sure you look at that. Um, like with the hide lock, you know, when we were testing it, we put it, through the pickle bath, we put it through through salt, through pickle bath, through tanning oils, through everything to make sure that what we were making doesn't interact with a tanning solution, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want that either. Right. So right. it's just, it's a lot of communication and it's a lot of work to play with those every night in, in and out every, you know, it's months and months of just trying different things and knowing kind of what like I said, the ancestral background used to use that we can now use in modern times and get in bulk situations if we need it. Makes sense because they did back in the day. I mean, they they were able to 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 do a lot of the things with those hides that yeah just mystifies us today of, of how they did it. You know, we think that we were so technologically advanced and we can do all these amazing things, but uh, man, go back to your to your roots and they were doing some amazing things. So. So let's go, let's go through your products if you don't mind um, and talk through just each one of them, kind of tell people, you know, really what they're used for, what they were developed for, uh, maybe some alternate uses if we can. So um, Daryl, I'm going to let you, if you don't mind, just run through some of your products. And, and I know we talked about the hide lock already and, the, and we've kind of touched on the bevel lock, but what else do you guys have there? So we'll just start off at the top. Velvet lock is number one. Mm-hmm. That was our first that got us going. That's That's for any soft membraned velvet antler set that will set and cure velvet at the proper temperatures within 72 hours. Um, you know, we've done some, I I did some for, for some guys here that, uh, you know, we cured 184 inch mule deer in my garage in 36 hours, completely done cured hard, never to be messed with again. Um, you don't have, and, Sorry, I don't mean to, to. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Okay. But so you do that, you don't have to put formaldehyde in it. You don't have to do anything else to it. That is cured. That is put it on the wall. That is one hundred percent cured, start to finish. Wow, that's done. That's that's ready to be put on a mount or European mount, whichever way. I mean, we did a bunch this year. There's a it's called the Unit Forty Five Bull Elk Hunt here in Idaho. Uh huh. Um, it's an early hunt. 
lots of big velvet. Um, I did three different elk this year. Guys just at a loss and said, man, what am I going to do? It's 90 degrees. I can't. And I just tell them, bring it to the house. We'll spray it. You know, and in three days, they're calling me back going, man, this is amazing. It's done. Complete. Finished. So does this work on any velvet, whether it's mule deer, elk, caribou? It doesn't matter. It's going to work on all of them? Yes. Yes, it will. We'll work on any membrane that has velvet. Any soft membrane. Okay. Yeah. And if I can butt in here, guys, uh, you know, I had one or two taxidermists here in the state of Utah that got in some giant bulls, and I'm talking 420, 430-inch bulls, mm. and uh, same problem. They contacted me directly and said, hey, we got an issue. You know, I've got this velvet. I need to cure it. I have no way to put a 420, 430-inch bull in a freeze dryer or, you know, whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, I, I took the liberty of offering to take that at home, spraying it with Velvalock again, one to two inches from the surface, saturating the membrane, having it roll down the main beams, get every inch of that thing. And I will tell you what, in this Utah heat and the sun, mm-hmm. that thing was cured in less than three days. Wow. You guys are like a taxidermist dream. You know that I'll bet every taxidermist in the country loves your product no they don't no they don't (laughs) that makes it so easy (laughs) as long as they follow the directions and they read we have to go against everything we know is a hunting society velvet up until velvalock has been bad for heat and sun yep once velvalock is applied heat and sun are your best friend i can't repeat that enough once velvalock is applied heat and sun are your best friend. Velvalock is applied by spraying the trigger and activated by UV light and heat. And that's one thing that a lot of people struggle with is they don't want to put their velvet buck or bull of a lifetime in the sun. And I will repeat, once applied, that is your best friend. It will set, it will harden, and it will be supple and soft, but hard as a bone on the membrane. So if a guy's doing this himself, does... So when you spray it, I mean, are you saturating this thing, soaking it so it's soaking wet or just kind of a a light spray over the the whole antler? You are 100% saturating. I always tell people, you want to take your skull or your skull plate. You want those antlers pointed up to the sky. You want to start on the furthermost back tine. Again, one to two inches. You want to spray to the point where 99.9% of that spray is hitting the velvet. You want to work your way down from the back tines. Let's say a four-point mule deer. You want to start on the back. By the time you get that back two tines covered, you'll see that bevel lock dripping out the bottom. And what's interesting about bevel lock is we designed it specifically. Back in the day when I was in Colorado and Daryl was in Idaho, it's legal in Colorado to pick up roadkill. So I would spend my nights and weekends driving around all the high mountain roads to pick up roadkill, and we'd test this product. So when you apply it, it should be when you get those back two times done, you will see that velvet lock is dripping off the pedicle base. And what that does is when you apply it, it actually impregnates itself between the velvet tissue and the bone. And it carries itself around and carries itself down. And you'll, you'll see what I mean when you apply it. But you'll see that velvet tissue turn a slight tinge darker because it's wet. And it carries itself down. Once you've applied every nook and cranny back front and you get all the way down to the bases, once that that thing is fully covered, you set that out in the sun and the heat and let it cure. If you happen to be in Alaska, Canada, 
Utah in the winter, whatever it is, if you're a taxidermist and you pull out 20 heads and you apply them, get them in the sun. If it's below, you know, a good 60, 70 degrees, keep them in a heated shop or whatever it is and let them cure. It'll take a little bit longer, but that product will do its job. Oh, but that's really hard for taxidermists to put velvet antlers in the sun, in the heat. That's as awkward as kissing their sister, I'm sure. So I'll bet it is a little bit difficult for them. Absolutely. We get it all the time. Taxidermists <laughs> reach out and say, I applied velvet lock. I put it back in my freezer or my shop or whatever it is. And we have to remind them, again, it's going against everything we know. Velvet and heat do not mix. But again, when velvet has velvet lock applied, heat and sun are your best friend. We've had a tax numbers here in the state of Utah by the name of Justin Brown. He's done 70 plus heads, saturated, put in the sun and the heat. He's yet to have one have hair slip or lose velvet. Wow. But going back to Daryl's point, you know, where you guys originated this from, you know, this is ancestral stuff here. They didn't have a freezer to go put their stuff in. So their stuff works. And I'm sure they made it work using heat and, and light. So that makes it, it makes perfect sense. But I am sure that it is hard for a lot of people to change the ways that, that we've been doing things for the last hundred years. So, yeah. And, you know, I kind of, when I started thinking about creating this thing, I created it for, you know, you think about the guy that goes backpacking in two days, right? Mm -hmm. And they kill a deer back there on the first day. They got to try to hurry up and get this thing back to the truck and get it back to a tax terms, right? Created this to avoid that completely because you're back there with three guys, right? Usually everybody goes together. We all have a little spike camp back in somewhere yep. and we're all hunting and you want to hunt with your buddies, but now you got to take all your stuff back to camp, back to the pickup and try to get it to town because your velvet's going to rot and fall off. Not the case. And that's why we created it, to be able to use it in the backwoods. And a good example of that is we had a guy uh, two years ago, they drew Idaho Unit 39 early deer tags. They had a guy bring them in, drop them in 13 miles back on horseback. And so 13 miles back in the Idaho wilderness ain't good. So he no. got four bottles of Velvalock, took with him, and he sent us pictures. And that's some of the most beautiful velvet you've ever seen. By the time they came out of the mountains, they didn't have to worry about a backpack rubbing their velvet off, mm -hmm. right? Because now the velvet locks already cured it by the time they get out of there. And they killed their deer early, but they're still back in there for 13 days or 12 days waiting. You can't, you cannot cure that velvet any other way. You're going to let it sit there and rot because the horses aren't coming back for you right. for days. Right. So you're in trouble. That's kind of my favorite thing about this is as I've thought about this, this, this product is, yeah, if, you're out there with a big group and you shoot your your deer or your elk or whatever on the first elk rarely have velvet but you're, you shoot your deer on the first day and yeah usually you've got to you got to hump it out of camp you got to get to your taxidermist they got to be working on your that velvet asap and so that's what i thought when i first thought about this product that's exactly what i thought about daryl was wow i could spray this on it's going to do its work while i'm helping my other buddies hunt and it you know it's locked on it's, it's good it's cured it's great by the time i i hike out of there even if it's seven days, seven, 12, 14 days later. Right. And and then you got the hide lock on top of it, right? For the hide. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you pack an extra 24 ounces with you, 12 of the velvet lock and 12 of the hide lock, and you got your deer and your hide both covered for 24 ounces of weight. That's huge. I hope people out there listening understand how huge that is. That that saves a lot of, of worry and headache. When you're going out there, a little bit of weight to, in carrying that in is, is definitely worth 
that headache that, that you're going to have when you finally shoot that thing and try to figure out how to get it back to the taxidermist in time. So very cool. I, I, I think I, I make that makes sense that that's your number one product because I think that's one that has really stood out to all of us. Obviously, your company's Velvet Antler Technology, so it makes sense. But um, that, that's pretty cool. What else? You what? Where do you want to go next? What's what's number two? So then the hide lock, we kind of went over the hide lock and where it originated and, and what it's for. Um, I don't, I don't think there's much we can add to that unless you have any questions on that. I do. Um, so with the hide lock, just the application side of it, and this is a lot of these questions I'm asking because I, I did a little bit of my own study to figure out like, like how do we need to saturate the antlers and stuff? I knew that we needed to do that because of some, some of the stuff I looked at, but with the hide lock, where are these guys spraying it? Are they spraying on the outside, inside, you know, kind of help us understand the application side of it. So, so number one, if you know how to cape a hide, which I'll, probably I would say 40% of your guys know how to cape their own hide, but if they're backpacking in, somebody usually in the camp knows how to cape, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to pack a head if you don't have to pack a head, right? You cut the horns off and have a skull plate. Um, but let's say you don't, you don't, you don't know how to cape one off. This is still going to help you because you can take from the neck bone that you cut the head off back to the shoulder, the breastplate, right? You've taken that piece of hide because you know you're going to have a shoulder mount and you saturate that as best you can, roll it up next to the neck and then spray the outside of any of the wet membranes, the eyes, the ears, the nose, inside the lips, in the uh, any of those ear areas. Ears are real bad because of the cartilage. Yeah. Nose and mouth, obviously real bad because they're a wet substance. If you can spray that on there, you're going to buy yourself a lot of extra time in being able to get that to the taxidermist before it starts to rot and the hair falls out. Okay. And your ears and eyes, eyelids, eyelashes are one of your worst spots. You can lose hair. Well, that's all surprised when you said that, that even the eyelashes, you said that on the, on your other one, that even the eyelashes didn't come out. So that's good to know that that helps even with, with those hairs as well. Right. You know, cause people don't understand when, when a taxidermist has to go do stuff and try to fix that kind of stuff, you can't replace eyelashes. Right. And eyelashes are important to a mount. You know, if a guy looks at a mount close and a good mount has really pretty eyelashes, mm -hmm. you know, that's part of the mount. So exactly. That was really the only other question I had on the the high lock is just the so that people understood how to apply it. And that's really what I, what I want people to understand is when they do buy these products. Cause I'm I'm sure there's a lot of guys like myself that are backpacking in will, will want to use these products. And so just so they understand the application side of it. So, right. Okay. Let's move on to your next one. So then the other one that's, uh, I would go to next would be our Velva clean product. Okay. So I have a deer. I'd like, I'll just show it to you real quick. I'll show you another one. Sweet. <laughs> so I'll, this, I'll... that three point, that velvet is over 16 years old. Uh-huh. But what had happened after about 12 years, I noticed little tiny runners of hair missing on the velvet. So I did some research and I found out that's actually a, a very small bug that you cannot, you really can't see it to the naked eye, but they chew on hair follicles. So if you have a mount at home, do you have any mounts at your house? I do, but I actually, I don't have any... I don't have any velvet there. ones in here. These no, are all just regular ones. mounts though. Just oh, with yeah, regular just, hair. Yeah, on. just regular. Uh-huh. I, I challenge you to take a brush and brush them. If hair falls out, there's a bug eating the hair follicle. 
<laughs> you look at me like that. You creep me out, so, man. <laughs> so, so we created the Velva Clean because it has a bug protectant in it to keep bugs out of the hides because you can't see them. There are no see them bugs and they'll chew the hair follicles and you'll one day you'll go to clean them and you'll go to brush them and the hair starts falling out. That's because there's bugs living inside of that hair and under that hair follicle. And they're chewing on that follicle and eating it and making the hair fall out. We've had people so far as to where around the horns of a bighorn sheep where that soft tissue is and there's fatty tissue in there that never quite always cures. Those bugs love it and they'll eat a one inch line all the way around that horn. So wow. you've lost everything in your, in your bighorn sheep, right? Yeah. So, but any of those mounts, if you can go brush them or just wipe them with your hand and your and any hair falls out of them, that's because there's a bug in them and they're chewing on that hair follicle. You make me want to get up and go do it right now just to see if it, if it does it. Because I mean, you got to remember, right? They tan that hide. Right. They brush that hide. They wash that hide. They clean all the loose hairs are gone out of that thing. By the time you get it from the taxidermist, the only thing that's in between there's a piece of leather in there. That's food for bugs. Right. That's like jerky for you. Right. That's food for bugs. That's they live in that stuff. So. And the reason we started noticing it is because we have very, very thin. I have very thin haired deer because they were killed in that super early season. Mm -hmm. And you start to see those little, I have little trails in the hair of that big three point where the bugs have just eaten a little trail through there. It's only a 16th of an inch wide. So on a real big mount with heavy hair in the winter, you'll now probably never notice it. Right. Right. But you get a thin hair. So we thought, well, we gotta, we gotta stop these bugs because up until about 15 or 20 years ago, they used to put arsenic in tanning solutions. Well, arsenic kept bugs out of bug, ain't a bug in the world is going to eat arsenic out of the leather. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, they stopped doing that. So there's no more arsenic in there. There's nothing to keep bugs away from your mouths. So we created the velvet clean. You spray it on. It comes with a brush and a towel. You take the pin side of the brush and you brush it into the hair. And those little pins will carry the velvet clean down into the, to touch the hide. And once it touches the hide, it stays there for up to six months. and keeps the bugs out of your mouth for up to six months. Up to six months. So then after six months, you, you do it again. You want to re you want to reapply that around every six months. Yes. Okay. And in, you know how those dirts and oils get on those mounts and they're hard to get. I don't know if you, if you ever had any that had a little bit of oil come through the hair and the dust sits on it and it's just like a gummy yeah. surface. It's real hard. So we created this to, once you spray it on, you let it sit five minutes, you can wipe that away. It'll just come right off the hair and rejuvenate the hair. Interesting. And that comes, that, that velvet clean comes with a towel and a brush says velvet antler technologies on the brush and little white towels. You can wipe it and see how dirty your mounts really are. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I almost don't want to do this. In fact, I've, I've got one of my grandpas that he shot back in, I don't know, early sixties had it mounted back then. It's been hanging on walls ever since that day. I can only imagine what would get off that thing. You'll get a lot of dirt off of it, but there again, you won't get the bug problem. That's true. Because it had arsenic in that tanning solution back then. So, and actually, um, Zach Bohe with Western Hunter Magazine, uh -huh. he just did a gear review. It'll be coming out this January on our Velvet Clean product. He used it, put it through the paces, and it's it's coming out in this month's issue. So Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So you'll be able to read about it there a little bit, too. Hey, one thing I was going to ask you, Daryl. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, AJ. No, no, you're good. I was just going to say, if I can add to that. Yeah. I also, as I mentioned before, my grandfather took a buck in the late 1960s and 
again, the arsenic is in the tanning solution. So I clean it and it's amazing the amount of dirt and, and, you know, cobwebs and whatever they come out of that thing. But if you're a big bird hunter, that's the big thing here too, as well, because as we know, birds, ducks, geese, whatever, pheasants, they have a natural oil in their skin and their feathers that repel water. Right. Right. And I will tell you, it's crazy because even if you take to the best taxidermist in the world, you take a duck or a goose or a pheasant over time, that those feathers and that skin release a certain amount of sticky, gross oil. It builds up on the feathers. Velvet clean is amazing for this. You spray it on there. The product is designed to molecularly break down oil and dirt, right? So what it does, it actually encapsulates oil and dirt and allows you to wipe it right off. And for those of you bird hunters out there that know what I'm talking about, you fill your mount over time, the freshest, best mount in the world over time, you'll feel it's a little oily, it's a little sticky. And that's because of those built up fatty acids that are in there. You spray this on there, that stuff takes it clean off. So that double brush that Daryl's talking about, there's a pin brush on one side, and a nylon brush on another, as well as a towel. You spray that on there and let it sit. You can actually wipe those oils and that dirt off, and it brings life back to your birds unlike anything you'd believe. That's really good to know because I'm looking at uh, a duck I've got on the wall right now, and it, it is so dusty, and it's been so hard. It's hard to clean a, a duck mount anyways just because like this one's got the feathers are all, you know, flared out. Like most of them, people like them where they're flying, and so it's really hard to, to clean, but it sounds like this velvet clean would be perfect for that duck. And man, he, he does needs a, he needs a little help over there for sure. And the, the only Absolutely. thing I caution, and I've got, oh, go ahead, oh. Daryl. That's the only thing I caution people about with birds. Some taxidermists will use a paint that's not, it's not real, real durable paint. So I caution people of spraying the bills directly and spraying the feet directly. Okay. Because we do have alcohol in our product that it could dissolve some of those paints. So spray it on the towel if you're close to the face, the head, the the feet. I've sprayed numerous and I've never had a problem. I've had other people call me and go, hey, I had a really bad problem because I sprayed this thing. I don't know how much they sprayed. I personally have never had a trouble cleaning. I have, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bird mounts in here that I've cleaned numerous times and I've never had a problem with the paint coming off. But I caution people to be careful around the bills and the feet. Okay. Same thing, Daryl. You clean them about every six months or roughly in that area? <laughs> I'm supposed to. <laughs> I'm pretty <Busted>. busy. <laughs> I got him. Busted. <laughs> I try you to try make to... sure I keep them pretty clean, yes. Oh, that's the problem is a lot of us kind of what's that aj i was gonna say i do my wife hates it because my whole basement smells like velvet clean which i love but she doesn't love it because i go down there i don't open a window i fumigate the whole basement but i'll tell you it smells wonderful my mounts look amazing so aj's getting high in his basement on velvet clean all right that's uh, absolutely <laughs> uh that's the thing is we we put these beautiful mounts up on the wall i, I gotta show you guys my room that i'm sitting in here but um yeah, and then we don't touch them for years and years and years. I'm just, I'm looking at these mounts right now. I got an antelope right there that, uh, if you look at the back of it, you guys would probably be very disappointed in me right now. Um, they they definitely need some help. So I'm sure most of the listeners that are listening to this podcast are probably doing the same thing that we're doing right now is looking at our all of our mounts, thinking, boy, they could they could all use a little bit of help. <laughs> is this actually live right now, or are you going to record it and 
fight back. No, this will be recorded, but I am I am recording the video, so um, everybody's okay, going to cool. see your. I hope that's okay, Daryl. Everybody's going to see your background there. I mean, it's pretty pretty sweet. So I'd love to share it with it. Hey, hey, all right. I need a drink. Usually, I have a drink <laughs> for these things, and I I don't have one today. I need to I need to go get one. <laughs> I make I make my own wine too in my spare time. Nice, very nice. Jeez, he's a jack that's of all trades, AJ. <laughs> that, that's an elderberry blackberry wine. We pick our own berries, well cut, and then save all our elderberries and make our own wine. You probably never get sick then if you're drinking that much elderberry juice. I don't get sick very often, and when COVID hit me, it didn't hit me real super hard, so I was lucky. When I was sick, I, I was sick a couple of weeks ago. Wow, we're digressing, but when I was sick a couple of weeks ago, elderberry, I, I swear by that stuff. It is so helpful and beneficial. Especially when it's in a wine, 17% alcohol. Yeah, that'll burn the COVID <laughs> right out of those lungs. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, cool. Well, man, you're making me want... Hey, let me ask you guys a quick question, and may, you may not know the answer to this, but because uh, I know that you guys are velvet and hide and things like that, but what about the antlers themselves? Do you guys have recommendations for hard horn antlers for cleaning those? The velvet clean will clean them right up. Just keep it on the towel, wipe them. It shines them. It rejuvenates them. It makes them pretty again, cleans all the gunk off of them. So, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, you, you guys will see very soon. We've got a video coming out. It will be put on our website and on social media by a good friend named Matt Seeley that uh, videoed a whole bunch of stuff. And one of those is a hard antlered mule deer. And it was literally sitting for years and years, had cobwebs and dirt and a bunch of gunk on it. And I sprayed that down and just simply wiped it with our cherry cloth towel that's provided in a brush, just the nylon side. And it brought those antlers back to life. They were covered, you know, it was very muted with dirt and oil and whatnot. And I sprayed that, let it sit for a couple minutes and brushed it off and wiped it. And it brought those antlers right back to life. So again, our product is not just made for velvet. Our taxidermy mount cleaner and protector is meant for everything from hides to feathers, to hard antler, to velvet antler, anything in between. Okay. You said that was your taxidermy mount cleaner. Yeah, that's the velvet clean. Oh, that is the Velvet Clean. Yes, okay, sir, same product. Clean. Okay. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. Very cool. All right. Anything else we want to touch on about with the uh, Velvet Clean? I don't think so. I think we kind of covered it. That covers it. That is a, an amazing product. I'm gonna have to get some of that. I think that would be a really cool video for us to to do as well. Is get some of that and, and do a video on. It. I'm sure our listeners would love to be able to actually see that in action. And I've definitely have the animals that that really need it. So we might have to to do that and make a video of it ourselves. Just shoot me over your address. I'll get you a couple bottles sent over. You're a good man. I will. My uh, my my uh, animals in here will thank you. I cool. promise you will not be disappointed. You wait till you see these guys bring back to life. Well, you guys the know the amount of detail and the color. It's yeah. unreal. Well, you know what you're doing here. You're gonna you're gonna get me that, and then now I'm gonna be hooked on it. And I'm, maybe not every six months, but I'm gonna be hooked on it, keeping all these mounts looking good. You know what's funny to do is just to do half of it, <laughs> you know, go right down and, and do half and then really look at the difference because you'll be shocked at the difference in the, the oils that it pulls out. That's yucky, gross oils mm -hmm. and the new oils that's put back in by the, the, we obviously have some naturally occurring oils in it to help shine it up and make it look pretty 
and you'll you'll notice a big difference. Wow, it's amazing. So that'd be cool. It's fun to do. You hooked me up with a yeah, a little bit of that. We'll do a, we'll do an article as well, and and I'll do that. I'll do half of it and take some really cool pictures of it and put it up on our website so that people can see really like kind of before and after and what it looks like. Yeah, you can do it and show the towel. I mean, that's always yeah. important. You look yeah. at the towel, like how much dirt you're really getting out of there. And I mean, you know, especially you think about people that have asthma and asthmatic type people. There's so much dust and dander that's in those types of animals that mm-hmm. if you take care of it and clean it and keep it clean, it just helps your all over health anyway. That's amazing. So amazing. It's funny. I was more, I was really excited about the talking about the the velvet lock, but I think I'm more excited about the velvet clean than I am the velvet lock right now. So <laughs> I'm getting excited about both of them. Yeah. Cool. What's next? So our our other one is our velvet scrub. So this one was actually created for us. Uh, I had a need for it. I talked to the manufacturer that makes things for us. And I said, we need a safe for you, safe for handling enzymatic blood remover that people can spray on their skin. They can spray on their backpacks because the backpacks going on their skin after the fact, their clothing, something that's not going to be harmful to the body that will remove blood from hair, from backpacks, from clothing, from everything. So they, we worked back and forth and they finally sent us some samples and some things and what they thought would work and had it created for us. And we've, we did, we've had some guys, Windy Ridge tanning in Canada. They did a uh, mountain goat that had rolled down the hills. It's covered with blood and mud. And he said, man, that is some, he said, I don't know what you guys put in that, but that is the best blood remover I've ever used for a tannery. Wow. Um, it will absolutely, I mean, we've done things where we've had blood sitting on a white table for over a year and spray it on there let it sit for 15 minutes and it'll wipe right away. It breaks down the proteins in the blood and it totally eliminates it. So say, okay, I've got, got a few questions about that. So this is safe for um, fabric. So like my backpack, because yep. that's a lot of us will use our backpacks and for, a, you know, we'll just throw it, throw it in there and blood gets everywhere in there. It's safe for that. Yep. And then, so when you spray it on, you just spray it on, let it sit and wipe it off, spray it on, leave it, throw it in the washing machine. Yeah. Wash machine. Or like a lot of guys don't like their backpacks in the washing machine. Yeah. They have internal frames. You can't really, but you can hose it off with a hose Oh. and you'll just watch the blood just run out of that thing after, even when it's dried and set in, it'll just completely wipe, wipe the blood completely out of fabric. So with a mount, like you're talking about the mountain goat with a mount or a hide that has blood on it, is this a better option than the velvet clean or what would you? So this is, this is going to be before you send it to the tannery. So okay. a lot of the taxidermists are using it. Like a good example is a stone sheep, right? So a stone mm. sheep, they can't bleach because you lose the gray hairs. Right. So a lot of them are using it on the stone sheep before they send it to the tannery. They're getting the blood out of it before it goes to the tannery. Cause once it goes through tanning solutions, the blood stays forever. Right. It will not come out. But if you can get it before it goes to the tannery, they're spraying it on these stone sheep and they're just coming out brilliant white and the grays are sharp and, and it's cleaning all the blood out before it goes to the tannery. Same with antelope, uh, mountain goats. I mean, any of those animals that get lots of blood in them that are really, really prevalent blood. It dissolves it and gets rid of it before it goes to the tannery. Interesting. And I think maybe you said this, but how long, so when you spray it on, how long does it take to work? You know, depending on the blood saturation that's there, but anywhere from five to 15 minutes, you want to let it sit and let it sit there and eat and break down those blood proteins. Okay. That's a really interesting product and it definitely makes 
a lot of sense because we do we get blood everywhere i met and actually what i'm thinking about right now are my game bags so i bought some really nice game bags um and my game my game bags get wow my game bags get so saturated in in blood and you know you can wash them you can use hydrogen peroxide and things like that but it that blood just kind of ends up being in there and your bags look horrible i think this would be a great product for that yeah and aj can attest he he's got a young daughter that had a bloody nose in the middle of the night on white <laughs> sheets and pillow i'll let you tell the story aj go ahead <laughs> yeah so i actually have three or three and a half we'll call it three and a half year old twins and i love them to death but man they are sure messy and i will tell you a couple things one the bloody nose in the middle of the night pure white sheets blood everywhere i took those sheets off actually i I'm sorry, I can't take credit. My wife took those sheets off, <laughs> sprayed them with, with our product, let them sit for about 10 minutes, kind of rubbed them lightly with your fingers. And it's crazy because the gelatinous material of the enzymatic proteins, they actually liquefied those. So you can imagine blood spots on a white sheet. She sprayed that on there, kind of used her fingertips to lightly massage it in. 10, 15 minutes later, that was just kind of like a, an orange color on top washed it in the washing machine just basic warm water <clears throat> whatnot completely gone and I, and I and i say that again completely gone on a pure white bedding sheet the second example i have is those two twins took a bright orange carrot juice smoothie downstairs on a brand new white carpet dumped it everywhere i literally went to the grocery store bought every single carpet cleaner i could find run it through a carpet cleaning machine, did it by hand, massaged it in, washed it out, whatever you want to call it. There was always a bright orange stain on there. I figured, what the heck, let's try our product. So I sprayed it on there, let it sit for 10 minutes, massaged it with my my fingers, excuse me, and uh, went back there with the carpet cleaner, ran it over, blotted it up, completely clean. Holy and God. I will say this product is amazing. I also last week with my brother, we killed a cow elk on a late season hunt. My pack, my pants, my jacket, everything was covered in blood. Just lightly spray this on there, massage it in, let it sit 10 minutes. And I just simply put it in the bathtub with a little warm water, agitate it every couple minutes, wash it out, completely gone. There's not a single stain on any of my game bags or my kids. Uh oh, I think we lost AJ. Oh, there we are. Back. <laughs> I'm here. Can you hear me? So sorry. Oh, there he is. Sorry, what'd you guys hear? You said you, you, on your game bags, and then all of a sudden it just like cut. I'm sorry, guys. So I uh, went on a late season cow hunt with my brother last week, and we got a cow down. And I took those game bags and that pack and my camo, everything home. And I lightly just kind of massaged our product into it, let it sit for about 10 minutes and just wash it out, set it in the tub and agitated it every couple of minutes with my fingers and washed it completely out. There's not a stain left on any of my camo. Wow. You know, I'm a, so I'm a nurse by trade. That's what I do. That's my day job as a nurse. And you guys can, you guys can laugh at that if, if you need to, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking there's a, untapped market we need to get into with this stuff you know we could hit the the oh i shouldn't even say this on on the air we should we should really branch out here and really you know make some money with this this product that man that's amazing 
I'll show you a picture. But I will say, Daryl, so hold on one second. Go ahead, AJ. Real quick, I was going to say, I've got one or two good buddies that are taxidermists. Their kids play softball and baseball religiously. And I will tell you, they've tried every detergent, shout, stain remover, whatever you want to call it, under the sun. And our product is the only thing under the sun that can get stains out naturally. So your grass, your dirt, your feces, your urine, your blood, whatever it is, any naturally occurring stain, they spray it on there, let it sit, agitate it, wash it out. It's the only thing that can get all of those crazy grass and mud stains out of pants and shirts. Wow. That's wild. So I just have to show you this picture. This was from Maryland when I killed those deer. See the blood? Yeah. Watch this. Holy crap. <laughs> That's, That's one washing. I took a video of that. That video is on our YouTube. Wow. That is wild. That's what's crazy is, I mean, there's products out there that, that take blood out, but they always damage the fabrics. You know, they, it'll bleach it, discolor it in some way, shape, or form. I mean, that was proof in the pudding right there. It was the same exact color. So, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. And that's a that's one of those pair of expensive Wranglers with the Cordura on the front, the yeah. extra two-layer that you don't want to ruin. Yeah. And I just, I get them covered with blood, and every time I do, I just spray them and put them in the wash, and off they go. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a good point because, I, so I did a podcast just, earlier with uh, the initial scent guys um, and talking about some of these backpacks. You know, we spend a lot of money on backpacks. We've spent a lot of money on pants and gear and things like that. And and we are kind of always worried about getting blood on them. I mean, I am anyways, because I, you know, you got really nice camo out there. You don't want to ruin that camo with blood and, and you can, you absolutely could. And so that, that's very uh, good to know that there's a product out there that uh, we don't have to worry about ruining the fabrics and still be able to get that blood out. Yep, for sure. Awesome. Absolutely. And I will say, too, between Mystery Ranch, Initial Scent, Shriek Camo, Sitka, all those guys, we use their camo, and we get it bloody, and we clean it with our product, and it's never degraded. It's never discolored. It's never failed. The product does not break down the fabric. It does not break down the color. It breaks down the enzymatic products of naturally occurring stains and washes them away with water man unreal i'm kind of geeking out about this stuff this stuff's pretty wild Every, all your guys' products you guys are like chemical engineers over there that's it's, this is amazing yeah so then we <laughs> moved on to the head hauler so in december of 2019 i broke my back i broke my l5 vertebrae um and i was almost paralyzed on both of my legs. I couldn't hardly walk. Oof. So I went to a neurosurgeon and they fixed me all up and got everything fused and I'm all better now. I'm in great shape. But while I was there, I was out for five months, right? And I had a lot of time. I'm sitting on my phone and I'm looking at people. Like the one that really stood out to me is elk hunters. They put an elk on a backpack and they tie a stick to their backpack to keep the horns from shaking, yep. right? Yep. And I Done see it. pictures of people with a deer head and a piece of rope wrapped around the nose. And, and I'm just, it makes me sick because that, that piece, that taxidermists have to fix that. Right. Yep. Because it ruins the face. It, it stretches the hide. It messes it up. So I started, I actually got, I told AJ, I said, I got this crazy idea. He goes, what do you got? I says, I need to create something to be able to pack a head on the outside of a backpack after you've put your meat in the pack. Cause I've guided for years. 
And there's nothing worse I hate than putting a piece of hide inside of a backpack to try to hold a head. You know how many heads I've carried back to the truck with rope. And by the time you get back there, they're half falling off and they're dragging the brush and you can't keep them on. And you're fighting them the whole way. Right. Mm-hmm. So I got my wife's sewing machine out. I went to the Goodwill. I bought some old backpacks. I've cut straps off of them and stuff. And actually this is my first, this is my first prototype I made of the head hauler. That's, that's amazing. It's actually not too far off of what it looks like now. So then, so then I went and got a piece of canvas. Oh, nice. I did another nice. one. Yes. So I started making these things and we started putting these elk on them and setting them to see what we could do. Right. Uh huh. So then it just kind of progressed and we figured out that it's not quite big enough. Oh, and this is a funny picture. So I took a piece of canvas and I put it in my printer. A oh, piece of square canvas. Yeah. I put it in my printer and then I cut out, I printed that logo and I cut it out and <laughs> sewed everything on. So we could see what it looks like. Yeah. So then that's kind of how that thing evolved and it's just gone from there. And we've created the bigger one because the elk seem like when you have a hide on the head, it was almost a little small, but it mm-hmm. fit good for deer. So now we've created a second one with the hide so it can stay in there. It's a little bigger. It's a little bulkier, but it does work very well. Um, I actually took one down to Everly Stock the other day. Brady Landon down there killed a 398 bull this last year. And he says, I'd be curious to see how that holds a 398 bull on a backpack. I said, okay, well, let's go, let's try it. So I took it down there and we put that 398 bull on there. I got to show you this picture because you're going to die. <laughs> I hope that everybody watches this video or this podcast on YouTube so you guys can see these videos or in these pictures because this is awesome. <laughs> Those poor suckers oh, that are just pictures? poor suckers that are just listening to this on a, on a Apple podcast are gonna be like oh man i wish i was seeing this oh that's funny <laughs> so he put this 398 bull on this backpack and it held that 398 bull in the air with nothing but holding the head strapped to that backpack wow wow without moving that's no a lot of weight whatsoever. it's a lot of weight but it worked so i gotta find the Can picture I- now dang it that makes me mad <laughs> Yeah, I looked uh, and actually I've I've seen uh some video or some pictures of, of the um the head hauler and, and how uh, it's been utilized and yeah, like your first prototype's not that much different than what the what it looks like now. Um No. We moved some straps around and played with some of the straps a little bit, but other than that it's just the same. But did you add more straps so to it? If I remember I looked at the picture that I saw a little bit ago, you have a lot of straps on it, right? Or did you guys did you guys add more there, to it? There is a, there was, I only had one at the top and one at the bottom originally, mm-hmm. but it seemed that a hide would try to fall out of there. Yeah. So we created two at the top and two at the bottom to be able to hold the head better. And anyway, a little bit of research, but there's that 398 bull wow. straight in the air. He wiggled as much as he could to see if he could make it fall off and it wouldn't move on that backpack. That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that was and it's nice because I mean I can't take all the credit. I do all the I did all the sewing with the sewing machine myself. But you know I pitch it to AJ and say, hey, what do you think about this? And he'd say, hey, maybe you should do that. And mm-hmm. you know we kind of we work on everything together, and it's kind of nice. And we actually padded that because I talked a lot of taxidermists. So that's a three layer system. Okay. So it has a piece of felt on the inside that protects the hair, 
Then it's got a piece of foam padding in, in the middle. And then it's got the piece of canvas on the outside. And those straps on that head hauler run all the way through one side to the other. So mm-hmm. you're never pulling on the fabric. You're pulling strap to strap, just oh. like you would a set of ropes. You can put that on a backpack in less than two minutes. Wow. And that'll so go on pretty much every whole- backpack, really. I mean, it's just got huge carabiners, right? And hook it on. Yeah. Yep. You just clip it wherever you can find a buckle. Just clip it on and you cinch it down and off we go. And it just, it's just a, it, it is really, really, we haven't had a lots of people using it just yet, but I think once people understand what it really does, they're going to be really, really shocked at what it really does because well, it is a lifesaver. I was going to say, I, I, in this, go ahead. AJ. I guided three hunts as well. in Nevada this year. I guided three hunts and I, and all three of the guys I guided, I guided them together and they all bought, they all bought the head hauler because of that right there. <laughs> wow. We packed out meat. They put their meat in their packs where it's safe and they put their head in their skull on the outside and their hide and off we went. And, you know, especially for velvet, because you can't tie velvet antlers right. down, right? So you put this on the skull and you never have to touch the velvet. You're not going to wear the velvet down. It holds that skull on your pack without harming the velvet. What does that thing weigh? Uh, 11 ounces. Oh, okay. With the carabiners. So not much at all. Not, not bad at all. Yeah, that's a lifesaver because I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and have had that where you're you're trying to secure your animal, your head, your hide, whatever, to your backpack, and, and we all do it. Like you were saying, the rope across the face, across the, the the bridge of the nose on a on a deer or an elk, and we all kind of resort to that because we don't really have another option. You just want to secure it down any way that you possibly can. I'm sure it pisses every uh, taxidermist off when they when they see those pictures or when they come into the taxidermy office and they're and they're like that. So this is. Again, another taxidermist dream product. Right. And that's what we did talk to a lot of taxidermists. What's the worst thing people do to a deer head when they bring in a full head? And and nine out of ten of them will tell you they tied a rope around the muzzle. Mm-hmm. I've it done it. It stretches the hide. Yep. It rubs the hair off. And this being padded the way it's built, it doesn't ever bother the hide or the hair. Wow. If I can add to that. It's not just for velvet heads, right? It's for bear, it's for doe, it's for cow. Anything you can put in there, this head hauler can strap down nice and tight. You can pack it out. It can be a hide, it can be a bear, it could be whatever it is. You you can strap it right down to a pack, a mule, a horse, a side-by-side, a four-wheeler, whatever it is. This is designed to be used interchangeably with whatever you are taking in the backcountry. That's a good point. Bear bear would be a great one for it where you kind of roll up the hide and then be able to wrap that around the, the head of the bear and and then tie it to your backpack. That'd be actually be perfect for that. Yeah. For sure. Like I said, we did a cow hunt last week. Same thing. We took the head, rolled up the hide from the brisket up, put it in the head hauler, packed it out a couple miles. There was no slip. There was no fall. There was no nothing. It was just secure, tight. You didn't even feel it on your back. Man, you guys are good people to be friends with. It sounds like you guys do a lot of hunting. You guys are killers. Obviously, Daryl's a killer. Look at his background right now. It sounds like you guys do a lot of hunting. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> AJ's got all these stories. Hey, I was hunting last week or I was hunting last night. And <laughs> uh, out in our out in our VAT trailer, there's two more. Big velvet deer. <laughs> nice. Nice. We hunt a lot. I will say that. We hunt a lot. Hey. That's why we do this, right? I mean, this this provides us a, a 
an in, I guess you'd say, to the the hunting industry and allows us to do what we love, which is hunting. Right. Um, I, I think that's it for products for you guys, right? That's the only thing that only ones that I had looked at. Is that it for what you guys have? Yep. So for now. Tell me a little bit about you guys are going to be at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo in a, next month, correct? Yes. Tell me a little bit about what you guys are going to have set up there, what people are going to be able to see. I, I'm sure most people are listening to this podcast are going to be like, okay, I want to go and see what they have, what products they have. Also, just kind of see examples as well. I'm sure that you guys will have some mounts and stuff that they can look at. Yeah, we will. We have we have a, a real big bull elk that got killed early season um, in Utah that was a roadkill bull. Uh, we we cured all the velvet on that and recreated it on a smaller skull. We kind of skinny it up, but it, you get a good example of what the velvet looks like. Um, we'll have one of my deer that's available there to see that's over 15 years old. Um, two others that are over 10 years old that have all been cured the same way. So, you know, cause that's one big question. People are like, well, how do I know this is going to wet last forever? Right. That's, right. And this is, this is the only way they can know is to buy the, put their hands on it and feel it and see it and understand that it really does work that long. It's a longevity thing for us. Um, we just got done building actually three, two display pieces that are L shaped and another centerpiece. And we'll have all that stuff there, product displayed. We'll have t-shirts, hats, stickers, free candy for the kiddos, um, things like that. So come uh, out and see us. We're going to be actually... If there's anybody in California area listening, we will be at the Sacramento show in two weeks. Oh. Yes, mid-January, we'll be at the Sacramento Sportsman's Show there. Then right after the Western Hunting Expo, we will be in Portland for their Pacific Northwest show in Portland. Nice. So, a lot of opportunities to come visit us this year. A lot of opportunities to come and ask questions too. I mean, I'm sure we probably just got the tip of the iceberg on on our podca- podcast today. I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of questions about their specific mounts, specific animals. Um, you guys are both going to be at the, uh, those shows that people can come and ask questions. You guys have other employees that are going to be there to answer questions. What's that going to look like? It'll be just us. Just you two, huh? We're it. Wow. Is it just you two or do you guys have, I mean, what is your guys' setup? If you don't mind me asking, what's the setup look like there? Um, so it's just AJ does, he does 99% of the marketing and, and advertising and that kind of thing. And I'm here in Idaho. I have a 30 year old son that works with me, 32. He works with me here and he does the shipping, the bottling, the labeling. We do all of that right here. We wow. order it in bulk and we put all our own stickers on bottles every day and we ship stuff out right here from my house every day. Um, so everything gets done here right now. And then uh, we do have two other business partners they are kind of silent business partners in it, but they're a very big influence in the industry. We kind of try to don't mix business with business. So we keep them at bay as much as possible, but AJ and I are essentially the face of the business and, that's the way we want to portray ourselves as him and I, you know, I, I was the original creator. Like I said, I brought AJ in and I like to think of him as the original creator as well, right along with me because he's been with me every step of the way since I mentioned it to him years and years ago. And, uh, he's, he's just a great help and we're both, uh, looking forward to a long future with this industry. Well, I think it's there. I think you guys are going to have it. You guys have some amazing products. And I'm sure this is just the beginning. I'm sure more stuff will come out. Te- you know, we have different technological advances that happen. And so there'll be new products, 
new opportunities for you guys. Uh, kudos to you. Uh, you know, it's one thing I love about our industry. We kind of talked about it, you know, with how you know God works in mysterious ways and brings people together for, for these things. But the hunting industry is, is very unique in that a lot of these companies are just a couple guys that are, you know, putting in the blood, sweat, and tears and making this work because they care about our passion. They care about the people that care about the same things they do. And so you guys seem just like that. You, you care about the hunters. You want them to have a good experience. So you're creating a product that allows us to, to have a better experience. And I, and I know, you know, look at the, the hide, the hide lock, the velvet lock, you know, those are definitely going to make my hunting experiences better, but it's also, you guys have the products to let me enjoy what I have and, and really take pride in what I have hanging on my walls. I, I'm, I'm nowhere near Daryl's style. You know, I, I don't have <laughs> quite that, but hey, you know, give me a few years and hopefully I can get there. <laughs> yeah, you'll get there. You know, and it's, and, and I always say that to people. I say, you know, when people come and see see us at the show, right? They always ask the velvet clean. They go, well, what do I need that for? I mean, really what, I mean, my mouth's just sitting there. It's, it looks cool. <sighs> Nobody can see the dust on it, right? Right. But You know, you, you spend thousands of dollars to hunt that animal when you finally get the animal the lifetime you pay thousands of dollars to have it mounted right and put on your wall why would you not spend thirty dollars a year to take care of that same mount exactly right? that's and that's the question i ask people so i mean it's just a it's kind of a no-brainer to me spend thirty dollars for each of your mounts each year to take care of your invest it's an investment to me mm-hmm. but that's the thing is your guys's products you know it's 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 not that expensive yeah 30 bucks a bottle you know that that's really not that bad for something i mean i'm sorry i'm repeating exactly what you said basically but for something that we spend thousands and thousands of dollars on yeah it, it's worth it to spend an extra 30 bucks a year and be able to keep these things looking for really sure. nice sure. it is sad you know my uh, my family's got a, a cabin it's really not my family it's a through marriage family but they have a cabin and they have, I mean, tons of, of mounts, a lot of taxidermy, whether it be um, uh, mountain lion pelts or mountain goats or whatever. I mean, just tons, clear full of stuff. And they've just been sitting up there for years. No one even touches them. I mean, it's probably been 10 years since any of them have even been touched, cleaned at all. And so, you know, thinking about products like what you have, it'd be, it's worthwhile to grab your guys' products and and go make those things look a whole lot better than they do now because they look kind of sad. 100%. So, hey, well, guys, I appreciate you taking some time um, and, and chatting with me. Like I said, I didn't know a lot about your guys' products. I haven't had the chance to use them. I'll be very transparent. I haven't had the chance to use them. So I've been really excited to do this this podcast. One, to get to know you guys. I mean, one thing I love about podcasts and the hunting community is getting to know good people like you guys. I'm looking forward to the expo when I can actually shake your guys' hands and, and actually meet you in person. Um but for those you know out there that this is new to them and they don't know about these products, where are the best places to find you guys, to get in contact with you if they have questions, things like that? You want to answer that, AJ? You're probably more versed in that than I am. <laughs> See there. So you can find us at uh, www.velvetantlertechnologies.com as well as on Instagram at Velvet Antler Technologies. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... Uh, YouTube at Velvet Antler Technologies. Okay. Definitely follow their Instagram page, by the way. They, they post some pretty dang cool stuff. It's one of my favorite accounts to follow because uh, they share some cool stuff. They post their own stuff. It's a it's a fun 
account to follow just with, with the stuff. Is that you, AJ, that's posting all that? Yeah, that's mostly me. Daryl helps out occasionally, but he's busy trying to make some sales and set up some new dealers. So if you're going to be at the Western Hunting Conservation Expo, come see us at 2035. We're going to be right next to King's. We're going to be giving away some good stuff. We're going to have a, an awesome display. Daryl and I have spent the last three days and his son, Michael, working on. And then we're going to be at a couple of those shows. So follow along and uh, we'll see you there. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys again. I appreciate you uh, you taking the time. I, I hope that we this isn't the only podcast that we get to do together. Um, hopefully, as your guys' products continue to develop and new things come out, I'd love to have you guys back on frequently. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions that come from this podcast that will need to be answered. So um, let's stay in touch. Let's make sure that uh, we're helping our fellow hunters out. And man, just kudos to you guys. Appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind even doing one, even if it was a little short podcast for video, like if you want to clean your mounts after you get your stuff, we could do a little walk through together and, you know, maybe an instructional type yeah. video so people can see, you know, so I can tell you if you're doing something wrong, right? Say, hey, stop, wait a minute, do this first before you do that, right? So people understand how we're using the products and that would be great if you ever want to do that. Once I send you some stuff, if you want to do that, I'd, I'd be definitely interested in doing that with you in an evening. I think our, our listeners, well, I would appreciate that for one, but I think our listeners and, and our YouTube viewers would appreciate that as well. I think that's kind of been my thing coming into this is, you know, I can hop on your guys' website and I can read stuff and I can see the products, but it, it it's applying them, that actual application of them, how they're used, how long to let things sit. I think that's where people, you know, they don't want to mess things up. Again, we talked about how much it costs to do these mounts and, and whatnot. You don't want to mess it up once you once you get it. So making sure that everybody's confident in utilizing your guys' product. So so yeah, Daryl, I think that would be a fantastic idea. Let, let's do that. Once I get those, um, I'll pull one of these down off the wall and let's do a, a video together and walk me through clean, cleaning them up and how to use the product. That'll work. Yeah. So send me, email me over your, uh, your shipping address okay. and I'll get you some products sent over and we'll get her going. Okay. Sounds good. Well guys, I'll let you back to your night. I appreciate again, you guys taking the time. Um, if I, I'll, I'm sure I'll talk to you between now and the expo, but if I don't, I, I look forward to, to seeing you guys there. And like I said, actually shaking your hand. I'm, I'm excited to shake hands again. I, I'm so sick of COVID and not even being able to shake people's hands. I'm not that kind of a person. Yeah, me too. <laughs> cool. Well, I'll let you guys back. AJ, I'll let you keep driving. And uh, let's talk soon, okay? All right. Thank, Thank you. you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. See you soon. Uh, bye. Bye. bye.